Hallelujah. I receive that all things seed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. First Kings 20. First Kings 20. Glory to God. We're going to begin reading at verse 13, and we'll go through verse 21. First Kings 20, verse 13 through verse 21. Everybody have that? All right, I'll read now. Those at home, get your Bibles out. Tune in, lock in. All right? All right, let's read this all together from verse 13 to verse 21. Ready, read. Suddenly a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ahab said, By whom? And he said, Thus says the Lord, By the young leaders of the provinces. Then he said, Who will set the battle in order? And he answered, You. Then he mustered the young leaders of the provinces, and there were 232. And after them he mustered all the people, all the children of Israel, 7,000. So they went out at noon. Meanwhile, Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings helping him were getting drunk at the command post. The young leaders of the provinces went out first, and Ben-Hadad sent out a patrol, and they told him, saying, Men are coming out of Samaria. So he said, If they have come out for peace, Take them alive, and if they have come out for war, take them alive. Then these young leaders of the provinces went out of the city with the army which followed them, and each one killed his man. So the Syrians fled, and Israel pursued them, and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse with the cavalry. Then the king of Israel went out and attacked the horses and chariots and killed the Syrians with a great slaughter. I want to just uh, read again verse uh, 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14. Suddenly a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ahab said, By whom? In other words, who's going to do this? In an Arnold from different strokes voice, what you talking about? He said, by whom? And he said, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders of the provinces. Today I want to talk on that subject, young leaders. Young leaders. Father, today thank you for the word we're about to receive. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to minister your word. I realize, Father, that my competency comes from you, Father. I'm not able on my own. So I thank you for your grace, your anointing on me to minister to these, your precious people. I pray that all those who are here, those who are watching online, Father, those who will listen, even now and in the future, Father, that, Lord, the words that come through my mouth will penetrate their hearts and produce in each person what you sent the seed of the word to produce, we pray. Thank you, Father, that your word goes forth mightily, your word goes forth swiftly, and is glorified among your people. Have your way in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, take your seats today. He said, the young leaders, by the young leaders. Everybody say young leaders. Praise God. Thank you, sir. I want to go through a couple of scriptures real quick. Okay? You, don't, you can write these, just write the addresses down. You can read these later and go over them in depth when you at home study. 
studying this word. 1 John 5, 19, I want us to talk about the devil for a moment. We've been talking about the devil, haven't we? 1 John 5, 19, hallelujah. It tells me this, that the whole world lies under the sway or control of the wicked one. There it is on the screen. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway that word sway again means control of who? The one. Of who? The wicked. the wicked one. Now that wicked one is whom? Satan. Satan. Everybody say Satan. Satan. Okay, so we don't net, net, we don't need to be uh, confused about who that is. The wicked one is Satan. So the whole world is under Satan's control. Now we are of God. So when it's saying the whole world, it excludes us. I need everybody listening today. I need everybody listening today. This is very, this is very important what I'm teaching you today, okay? So the whole world of evil people is under the sway or control of the wicked one. Now, Revelation, please, chapter 12 and verse 9 says, this is going to describe this wicked one. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. The Bible is going to clearly identify who this person is. Called the devil and... Satan. Everybody, everybody watching me? Yes. Call the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. Now we just read a moment ago that the whole world is under the control of the wicked one. So here's how he gains control over them. He deceives. Okay. All right, I'll keep going here. Deceive means tricks. He's a trickster. He's the number one trickster. Okay? Tricky D, I like, I like to call him sometimes. <laughs> now, Genesis 3.1 tells us something about him. Remember, just, we just read here the serpent of old, right? So now Genesis 3.1 says, now the serpent, this is back at the beginning here, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay? So you remember the story about how Adam and Eve fell into sin? Yes? Okay. So they fell into sin because Eve was deceived. The Bible says Adam was not deceived. The Bible says Adam was not deceived. So we can't blame Eve for this. Eve was deceived. She was tricked. The Bible says Adam was not deceived. He knew full well what he was doing. So all, of, all the best we see in the world is Adam's fault. When, when they had to be held accountable, God came and said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Because he's got to hold Adam accountable for this. Okay? So Satan is cunning. That word cunning means crafty. It means tricky. Which means everything the devil does uh, is calculated. The devil doesn't do anything haphazardly. He doesn't do anything accidentally. He doesn't do anything coincidentally. Everything the devil does is calculated. It's strategic. The devil doesn't stumble up on something. I want you to know your enemy here that you're dealing with here. Everything he does is very strategic, very planned, well thought out. He's cunning. 
he's, he's, he's um, the Bible, Jesus called him the evil genius. So the Bible called him, in the Amplified Bible, Jesus calls him the evil genius. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So he's a strategist. So let me tell you another scripture, please. Go to Ephesians 6, verse 11. In fact, they'll put it on the screen because I want it in the living Bible. Let's go right there for sake of time. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Look at this, what it says here in Ephesians 6, 11 in the living Bible. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against what? All the strategies and tricks of Satan. So we understand Satan has strategies and tricks. Got it? Yes, sir. Yeah, y'all remember the cereal uh, 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 tricks are for kids? Silly <laughs> rabbit tricks are for kids? What cereal was that? Tricks. Oh, it's called tricks? <laughs> oh. Oh, with an X. Right, that's what threw me off. Thank you. So, tricks are for kids. <laughs> that's good. Tricks are for kids. I'm preaching today about young leaders. Tricks are for kids. The Bible says that you and I are supposed to grow up in the word so we're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine like children. That's why you have to grow up in the word. That's why you have to be adamant about spending time in the word of God adamant about being devoted to the word of God, adamant about, about having someone teach you. See, the, the trick of the enemy, that one of his tricks today is to tell people that they don't need a teacher. They don't need a preacher. Long as I got King Jesus. Well, King Jesus appointed apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. The whole point is, is to keep us growing, keep us maturing so that we don't get caught up with the tricks of the enemy. But if you remain a child, you get caught up in the tricks of the enemy. And the devil, oh man. Parents, make sure your kids are listening to me today. Parents, make sure you're listening to me today. He's very strategic. He's very calculated in all he does. He works through arts and entertainment. The music, the movies. Come on now. You got a generation of people who are hyped up already. They're already on 10. We lost another young man the other day who was already hyped. When arresting officers came to arrest him, he was already hyped. He was already on 10. He's no longer on this planet. And what does it, what contributes to that is the music, the movies, the Videos that feed. It's a deception and a trickery from the enemy 
that he feeds into the minds of people. Glory to God. He uses the media to propagate his message, to push his agenda. You hear us use the phrase all the time, fake news, because it's so fake. Because media, you got, must understand, is a business. It's a business. And business, no, business is, is in it to make money. And they know that they must uh, hype things. <laughs> they must, they must uh, tantalize your mind. To get you to buy or buy into, to subscribe to what they are saying to you. So media puts out its own narrative about things. Doesn't matter how things really are. It's, 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 no, it's what we tell you it is. And the devil's using these things, arts, entertainment, media, music, so on and so forth, even education. Y'all done saying anything. I said even education. I said even education. Because education now today, the whole point of education today is to corral the minds of our youth into a non-Christian worldview that you see the world through the eyes of secularism and humanism and not through Christianity, not through God, not through the word of God, not through the things of God. Did I go too fast for y'all? The whole point of education now is to create children and into youth who become adults who see the world through the humanist eyes one way secularism no God involved whatsoever many gods or many paths to God if that makes you feel better and it's a trick of the enemy because Satan's after a generation. Oh my God. What he does through these things, arts, entertainment, media, music, education, all the influencers. Why do we call people influencers? Because Satan wants to use them to influence a generation. Satan's after generation because, listen to me very carefully, because Satan knows it only takes one generation to destroy a work, to destroy a land, to destroy a people, to destroy a ministry, to destroy a nation. It only takes one generation. In the 1930s, we saw the rise of a man named Adolf Hitler. How many of y'all know about Adolf Hitler? Rose to the leadership of Germany. Germany, believe this or not, was before a very strong Christian nation. Very strong. Martin Luther. Not King. Martin Luther. Who Martin Luther King was named after, obviously. He was this reformist movement through Germany. Christianity spread through Germany. Strong Christian nation. And Adolf Hitler, who was, who was a, an agent of Satan, 
I heard Pastor Durba saying this Friday night, there are sinners and there are wicked people. Sinners are being used and don't know they're being used. Wicked people know they're being used. And Adolf Hitler knew he was being used. He had a demonic, diabolical agenda to destroy the Jews. His actions led to the, to the Holocaust destroying six million Jews. Y'all didn't hear it say nothing. People think about, oh, we got 100,000 people dying from coronavirus. Six million Jews gassed. To destroy anybody who was not purebred German, wasp. He was to destroy anybody of any other race. We know it as Nazism. I don't know if you all realize, but Nazism is still alive today. Y'all act like y'all don't know anything about that. It's still around today. In fact, it's rising today. And it's a demonic spirit that didn't die with Hitler. Because you can, you can kill the person, but the spirit remains. Jezebel died, but the Jezebel spirit remains. So what Adolf Hitler did, Deacon Gershom, was he sought out to indoctrinate the youth of Germany. So this is how he did it. This is how he built the Nazi army and got his agenda pushed. He indoctrinated, taught, like the world tries to do through education, indoctrinated the children, the youth of his nation. And once they were indoctrinated, they were then mobilized. And once they were mobilized, they began to rise up and they propped him up in Germany and began to advance his agenda. Because the devil knows he has to, that the youth are a strong force. Oh my goodness. That they are impressionable. Youth, you can almost just tell them anything. Because they've not come to a discernment level yet. To really discern what is truth. And what is false. They are more concerned with what is enjoyable or what is pleasurable. If it feels good, that's, that's what, what Satan wants to bring. If it feels good, do it. Oh, Jesus. We cannot let Satan indoctrinate our children. I'll say it again. We cannot let Satan indoctrinate our children. I'll say it again, ladies and gentlemen. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. We cannot let Satan indoctrinate our children. Because once he indoctrinates them, he will mobilize them. Have you noticed videos and pictures from the Antifa uprising, that it's not 
50, 60, 70 year old men and women out here who many of them would be retired and they have time to go protest? No. He's using the youth. Y'all listen to me. He's using the youth who should be going to school or getting a job or building a career or starting families. But they can't because they've been indoctrinated with a, an evil doctrine from Satan. He tricks them. He's, he's a deceiver. And what they think is right is so far wrong. But as I heard Bill Winston say this, it's so funny when he says it. The worst thing about being deceived is that you don't know you're deceived. That's the worst thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. So here they are, they're deceived thinking that they're so right. The BLM movement. You know, Black Lives Matter. It's not 60 and 70, 80 year old seniors. It's the youth. Well, yeah, because we're, we're the revolutionaries. No, you're the deceived. Who have been and are being indoctrinated by evil doctrine that comes, I mean, it's so bad, it's spread into the church. The people in the church are BLM people. Pastors, BLM people. I don't care if y'all get mad. I, don't, I, I, I brought all my amens with me today. In the church are and have not even looked into what that's all about. They're, they're putting BLM on their churches, putting BLM on their billboards, putting BLM on their shirts, and sending church preaching about something that is anti-them. for their enemy. Don't even realize the end goal of BLM is to destroy the family. They put on their site. It's on their site. Destroy the church. Ain't just about civil rights and black people's rights. Has nothing to do with that. Has nothing to do with that. That's the cover for what the real agenda is. And here you are, if you are immature, like a child, even in your spirit, you are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Woo-wee. See, we can't let this happen. See, this is what happened to the children of Israel. Put Judges 2 verse 10 on the screen, please. Judges 2 verse 10. Because it says there that another generation arose who did not know the Lord. So it's possible with all the things that God had done, put it on the screen, it says they did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. So all the work God had done for Israel, remember he brought them out of Egypt? Y'all remember he brought them out of Egypt? Ten plagues. They saw God's signs. They saw God's wonders. 
Brought them out of Egypt, got them in, into the, into the, uh, to the Red Sea. Here comes Pharaoh chasing after them, and they saw. Here comes God, comes delivering them from the Red Sea, gets them through, destroys the enemy. They get up into the promised land, and now they're enjoying all the luxuries of life that God has provided for them. But a generation arose that did not know that. They didn't know the Lord nor his work. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot let that happen. Oh, I'll say it again until y'all catch it. We cannot let that happen. Because the devil knows it only takes one generation to miss it. I'm, 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 I'm imploring every parent today, hit your kids in the head, tell them you better listen to this man of God today. And if it wasn't disrespectful, I'd have the, parent, the kids hit their parents in the head and tell them, you better listen to that man of God today. Because as the kids got to say, mama, I'm your responsibility. Daddy, I'm your responsibility. You have a command to train me up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You can't be too busy watching games, daddy. You can't be too busy on Facebook, mama. You can't be too busy doing your business to sit down and train me. Matter of fact, put up Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 4. It's something called, called the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, start, it's, it's, it's called the Shema. Jews to this day read this every day. Every day they read this. Orthodox Jews. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Can y'all find it? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, keep going please. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You shall, that's a command. Everybody say that's a command. That's not optional. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now they got to first be in your heart, parents. Oh, Jesus. It's got to be in your heart. You got to have it up, made up in your mind, I'm going to love God with everything in me. I'm going to love God more than pleasure. I'm going to love God more than money. I'm going to love God more than myself. I'm going to love God more than anything else. I'm going to love God with everything I have. This is going to be in my heart. But then he says, watch this. Because remember now, the book of Judges is two, two books later. So somebody wasn't doing this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Everybody say teach. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Everybody say talk about it. Oh, y'all ain't saying, come on. That means the number one conversation that ought to be going on in your home is about loving God. Not about how you do in school today. I'm going to just take, take the gloves off because y'all don't like it already. Not about how you do in school today. That's fine. Find out how they do it in school. Great, great, great. But your number one primary conversation, because go back to verse 7. Go back to verse 7. Go back. Go back. Teach them diligently. How diligent are you about teaching your children this? 
and you shall talk of them. You ought to talk about it. Well, when? When you sit in your house. When? When you walk by the way, on your way to the grocery store, on your way to school. Turn the radio off. Let's talk about the Lord. What's God saying to you? When you lie down, bedtime. Boy, this must be a 2020 church right here. When you lie down and when you rise up. When you get up in the morning, this is the Lord's made. Hey, praise the Lord. He's talking about talking this with your children. He's trying to prevent Judges 2.10. He's trying to raise up young leaders, not young followers. The mass majority of children who are getting in trouble is because they're following other people. Because I, I, I just believe, I just believe by faith, y'all children ain't bad. I'm going to say, come over here. I just believe it's by faith that your children aren't the bad ones. No, not my, my, my Well, how they got in trouble? Oh, following. My parents used to tell me, don't, you can't, can't go follow behind everybody. I tell my parents, well, so-and-so is going to do something. If they're going to jump off the bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? Y'all got that from your mama? If your best friend jumped on the Skyway Bridge, you jumping too? Oh, no. Well, then you ain't got to do what they do. So teach it. Talk about it. Verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. And then bind them on, as a sign on your hand. That means it's got to it's be on you somewhere. Now, the Jews, Orthodox Jews, used to actually walk around with little boxes hanging on, on their, off, off their, their, their hats or their, their hair that would contain this, this word, these words in it. So when they look, they could look and see, boom, there's that word. Boom, there's that word. This is diligence. And you may find Orthodox Jews today who still do this. Hasidic Jews. <laughs> Verse 9. Verse 9. Then you shall write them on the doorposts of your house. And on your gates. <laughs> one of the kids, I forget which one of the girls was talking, that Lydia, talking last night, because we got scripture all over the place in our house. And uh, right by the front door, there's the, uh, the, the number, chapter 6, blessing, is on a, on a placard. As soon as you walk in or when you're walking out of our front door, she's like, golly, it's just something once you say every picture is like it's the word of yeah. I was that's the bless. You bless when you're coming in, bless when you're going out. What you want? Michael Jordan on the wall, you want? You want Lil Wayne on the on the wall? What you what you want? Ain't gonna be none of that. See, ask for me. And my house. Now, see, one of the problems, I'm going to just look back here because y'all don't want to hear it, is parents, you give children too many options. 
You make worshiping God optional. You make reading the scripture optional. You make prayer time optional. You make everything about them optional. Well, if you make give children an option of brownies or broccoli, which one do you think they choose? Half of y'all would choose brownies if you had options between broccoli and Truth be told, right? See, but when we make it optional, the devil's going to help them choose. Because you know what? He has a plan for their lives. He, Satan, has a plan for their lives. That's like he has a plan for your life. And he knows that if you raise a child right, if you raise a child to serve God, if you train them up in the way they, they should go, they will not depart from it. And he wants to make sure you don't give them any kind of real training. You know training is discipline? You know training is discipline. Training is, I'm going to push you even when you're tired, you're worn out, you don't want to do it. No, we this what we training. Am I right, Barbara? Am I right, Gigi? Training is, is, is difficult. Training puts you under, under a discipline. The devil doesn't want you to train your children. He wants them, oh, no, just let them experience. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, ain't no, ain't no experiences. You're going to experience God. I got one amen. You're going to experience God. And all his fullness. All the other stuff, you can just leave, just leave that alone. You too strict, yep. Because, see, when I stand before God, I don't have to give an account of how well my children like me. I have to give an account of how well I presented them to him and him to them. Woo, y'all don't like it. Y'all don't like it, do you, boy? Oh, my God. Teach it. Talk about it. Bind it. Write it. I had I had this this calligraphist uh, do a big old huge uh, calligraphy. What what does she do? What's that called? Is it calligraphy? Yeah, a, a big old thing had it framed and everything. Put it put it in my dining room. This, this Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, verse 4 and 5. And she adds in in a little bit, you know, all the teaching to your children. So every time they're walking out, they're seeing that. That's overboard. Your mama. Oh, your mothers, please excuse me, all the mothers, excuse me. Excuse my forwardness. <laughs> See, but for me, there's a lion on the loose. Somebody tell your neighbor, there's a lion on the loose. And he's out seeking 
whom he may devour. Have you ever watched Animal Kingdom, Animal Planet? You ever watch Animal Planet? Discovery Channel? When the lion's out on the loose, he's not going for the biggest rhinoceros. He's not going for the biggest giraffe. He's not going for the biggest. He's going for the little baby who can't hardly keep up. The little baby who just, here comes a herd, and the little baby went off to the side. Look at that. Look at the little, little baby. Just, ooh, look at that. So if it takes that much to protect my children and to protect, watch this, the purpose that God has for their lives, then I'm a willing. I said, I'm a willing. I said, I'm willing. Talk about me, but I'm willing. All I feel to talk about is they call us extreme. Y'all too extreme. You too extreme. Your mama. Oh, that's, well, we got the same mama, don't we? Okay. Well, you're, you're all the mama. Your, your mother-in-law. <laughs> I, I dare some parent to say, just holler out whatever it takes. he wants them, wants us to teach it, talk about it, to bind it, to write it, is because most children, most youth have no clue about God's purpose and plan for their lives. But God will use them now if they'll let him. But if they don't know it, Satan will use them. Y'all got to catch this. They're going to be used by somebody. I got news for you. You're going to be used by somebody. Either God's going to use you or Satan's going to use you. There's no middle ground. There's no unemployment. Ain't nobody unemployed in the world. Either God's using you or the devil's using you. Oh, no, I know them. They're good people. Either God's using them or the devil's using them. Only way to, to, get, to get out of here is you got to die to not be used. If you're living, you're going to be used by the devil or by Father God. And so if, now, you know, I'm, I'm saying youth, but this applies to everybody I'm talking about here. So if I never know and learn God's purpose and plan for my life, then he can't use me the way he wants to use me. And then I, I, I fall by default into Satan's hands and he uses me and guess what when the devil uses you he abuses he abuses you the word abuse is an actual uh, a word it's a, a joining of two words abnormal use that's what abuse is there's drug abuse there's alcohol abuse there's sexual abuse there's whatever abuse child abuse you're supposed to use children I, I knew I'd get that from somebody you're supposed to use children That's why the Bible says in Psalm 127, blesses the man who has his, has his quiver full of them. There's a purpose for children. You're supposed to use them. They'll, they'll stand and speak for him in the gates. 
That's why you got to use them now. Teach them, hey, wash them dishes. Vacuum that floor. Take out that trash. Make those beds. Turn the channel for me. Turn the channel for me. Bring me that remote control. Bring me that remote control. Son, what? What? Son, come here. Come here, son. Come here, son. Hey, hey, hand me that drink over there. Y'all, see, some of y'all don't know anything about this, but I grew up in a family household. Come in on Sunday night, my dad lived in the bed and said, son, take off my socks. No! Take off your socks. Take them socks off, boy, them hammer toes, smell like French onion soup on you, boy. You're like, oh, my goodness. None of y'all know anything about that, though, so praise the Lord. That was a little bit of abuse. That's abnormal use right there. So you got to understand, God has a plan for every life. And if you don't take time to learn God's plan and God's purpose, Satan will use, and when Satan uses, he abuses. And once he's done abusing, he just... Discards. This is what happens. Satan gets people, he uses them for his agenda. Once they're washed up, he just tosses them to the side. Okay, now let's look quickly. Time we have left, 1 Kings 20. 1 Kings 20. We've been in this chapter here for a little bit, and so everybody knows the background of this, right? Most of you. In case you don't, uh, it tells us right, right here in verse 1 what's going on. There's this man, King uh, Ben-Hadad. He's the king of Syria, and the Bible says he's going to now make war against uh, Israel and King Ahab. Make war means he's coming to fight. And he's a bully. Everybody say he's a bully. Because he comes to him, we've already discussed this, how he, he sends word to, uh, to uh, Ahab, hey, I'm, I'm taking your uh, finest wives, your children, your silver, and all your gold. And he said, it's all mine. That's a bully for you, right? I'm taking your finest, everything, whatever you like. And, you know, so, so uh, uh, we know that Ahab did not deny him. I think it says that down in verse uh, Verse 7, I want to pick up in verse 7. Verse 7, the king of Israel called all the elders of Israel and said, Notice, please, and see how this man seeks trouble. For he sent to me for my wives, my children, my silver, and my gold, and I did not deny him. Okay, now remember I told you, you have to deny Satan. Okay, if you don't deny him, he will defeat you. You got it? If you don't deny him, he will defeat you. Now look at verse 8. We looked at verse 8 Wednesday night. Uh, last Sunday and Wednesday, in fact. Verse 8 says, And all the elders of, sorry, and all the elders and all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. And I talked to you the other night about not listening to the devil. You got to stop listening to him. He's a liar. 
Okay? So the elder said, don't listen to him. Put that verse, please, in the, in the, uh, the CEV, 1 Kings 20, verse 8, in the CEV. This, I like this. This is what I, I need parents to say this to your children. Say it in the nursery school, the preschool, in the elementary school. Because uh, the devil's the one tells your kids, tells kids to hit somebody in the head. That's not just them. The devil will want to tell you to cuss somebody out. Oh, that's the grown folks. Okay. The devil one tell, tells you, click on that. Y'all didn't say anything right there. December 19th, man. December 19th, man. The devil tells you to click on that. Here's the thing. Don't listen to him. You don't have to do what he says. We have no excuse. The devil made me do it. No, 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 no. You don't have to do what he says. He's not that powerful. He's not powerful at all. Okay? All right, now, let's look at this. So they say to him, don't listen or consent. Can I read the, the next couple of verses here? You have time? Okay. Therefore, he said to the messenger of messengers of Ben-Hadad, tell my lord the king all that you sent, sent for to your servants the first time. Let me, let me read it again. I sound, I sound a half illiterate. <laughs> all that you sent for to your servant the first time I will do. But this thing I cannot do. Because he had asked for extra stuff now. And the messengers departed and brought back word to him. Then Ben-Hadad sent to him and said, now Here's the bully getting upset. The gods do so to me and more also if enough dust is left of Samaria for a handful for each of the people who follow me. In other words, I'm about to come and blow this town off the map. Okay? Verse 11. So the king of Israel, now he got some little hootspah to him. He got a little, a little umph. The elder said, you know, so now he's feeling himself, right? He said, uh, verse 11. So the king of Israel, this Ahab answered and said, Tell him, now this is from a distance, tell him, let not the one who puts on his armor boast like the one who takes it off. In other words, tell him, tell him, don't count your chickens before they hatch. That's what he's saying. You know, don't, you, you got, got, got the, the, horse, the cart before the horse. You think he's going to beat me, but you don't know what you're going to run into. Now, so far, all he's operating on is what the elders, the people told him, don't listen or don't, and don't consent. Okay? Verse 12. Now watch this. Because you can sell wolf tickets all you want to. You can talk big and bad. But, but here comes the enemy coming back at you. We call it clap back. Here comes the clap back. Verse 12. And it happened when Ben-Hadad heard this message, as he and, his, and the kings were drinking at the Command post. These guys are so confident they're drinking. That he said to the servants, get ready. Get, 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 get ready. And they got ready to attack the city. Okay, so what's about to happen? They're about to go, it's about to go down. Because uh, uh, Ahab got a little boldness, a little courage. He probably had a little drink too before he sent him something. And he sent word, hey, it ain't going to be all that. So now, 
Benadad says, mount up. Let's get it. So we'll see here in a moment, Ahab was talking big, but he really, it really wasn't in his heart. Now let's pick this up here. Verse 13. Y'all see verse 13? Suddenly. Suddenly. The enemy is now mounting up and is on his way, Tamara. But the Bible says, suddenly. Now, so far, he's had the elders of the people talk to him. But now, suddenly, the Bible says, a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, and said something to him. Suddenly, before the attack happens, a sudden word. I know who I'm talking to, but one word from God can change your life. It doesn't matter if you're in imminent danger, imminent threat is on your life. One word from God, from a prophet of God, will bring you the deliverance that you need. Because it'll lead to victory in your life. Can I just, I, 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 need, I need to park here. I'll get to the rest of this as we go uh, before the week's out. But I want to show you this, this prophet and how the devil doesn't want you to hear this prophetic voice here. Because, look, turn over to, to uh, scripture y'all know very well. In 2 Chronicles 20, in fact, just write it down. Put it on the screen for me, media, for sake of time. I, I, I want to I just kind of move through this here. Y'all can read it with me from the screen. 2 Chronicles 20, let's start at, at, at uh, verse 12, please. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12 through verse 15. Now, this is King Jehoshaphat talking. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? There's an... Uh, army about to come against them. They're on the way to attack them. He says, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. We don't know what to do. The king admits, we don't know what to do. But our eyes, come on, keep going please. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, their children, stood before the Lord. Keep going. Then the spirit, now watch this, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. What are we seeing? The prophetic voice all of a sudden comes. Joshua's sitting there saying, we don't know what to do. We're helpless. We don't know what to do, and we have no power against this company. But our eyes are upon you. Oh, you looking to me? Here comes a word. Oh, boy. So, go, go to verse 20, please. Go to verse 20. Because this is so important, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 20. So they arose. Now, the word comes. This battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. You won't need to fight this battle. Let's go out against them and so on and so forth. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, watch this part. You all know this. He says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So he's referring, Jehoshaphat here is talking, he's referring to Jehaziel. Your prophet. He said, believe in the Lord God, you'll be established, you'll be set. But believe his prophets, what the prophet just told us, and we're going to prosper. 
Now, the devil knows that when a prophet speaks, deliverance is inside that word. Oh, man. When a prophet speaks, victory is inside that word. When a prophet speaks, healing is inside that word. And what he wants to get people to do is to not believe the prophets. Oh, my. I, I've, I've told y'all, uh, I think I've tried to make it clear to you, I gotta, I'll try to make it clear right now, that that's what's going on right now in America. That the devil doesn't want the body of Christ to believe the prophets. What do you mean? The prophets prophesied a re-election of the current president. But what happens, the church is not believing that. Because the media prophets... I'll prophesying something different. So they go with that. As opposed to sticking with what did the prophets say? Believe in the Lord. He said believe his prophets. Not believe the prophets. Believe his prophets. Y'all real weak right there. Believe his prophets. So you need to find out what did his prophets say? While you're so ready to concede and let's move on, well, what did God's prophets say? See, y'all don't, don't hear me. It's so easy to talk like you in faith till you have to have your faith. It's so easy to talk like you're a believer till you have to actually believe. See, but when you actually got to now put that in the, in the practice, in the play, in the action, now what are you going to do? I believe the prophets. Well, it don't matter. Already, everything already been decided. No, it hadn't. What did the prophet say? Well, it's getting closer. I'm about time to be inauguration time. I don't care nothing about that. Let Biden and, and Harris keep playing fantasy, fantasy presidency all they want to. You know, everybody do fantasy football. You go and pick your little team. You pick your little manager. Pick your little squad. They going through picking all the little cabinet, picking all the little people, picking all the picking, picking it, picking, picking, picking that, picking that. You ain't gonna be president. Well, I don't like Trump. It don't matter if you like Trump. It's what did the prophets say? I don't like him either. I don't told y'all that. I don't like the man either. I wouldn't let him within 10 feet of my wife or my children. Just based on him. But what did the prophets say? I can tell I lost half of y'all. What did the prophets say? You believe the prophets and you prosper. But what's happening in America is now people are mocking the prophets. You all over all over YouTube is all kind of videos mocking and laughing and scorning the prophets of God from the church. Put this on the screen, please. Numbers 30, uh, I'm sorry, not numbers. Uh, 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 15 and 16. You gotta be careful you don't despise God's prophets. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 15 and 16. Watch this. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So God sends warnings, sends words through his prophets because he loves his people. Now watch verse 16. But they mocked. This is what's happening all over the church. People are mocking God's messengers, despising God's words. And scoffing at his prophets. 
And it says, until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people till there was no remedy. So if you mock and scorn and despise God's words, God's prophets, God's messengers, then you are left then to the wrath until there's no remedy. Well, we better benedict right here. Well, I don't, I don't like, I don't like. It don't matter what you like. It don't matter what you like. It's what does God say? What if they're wrong? They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not wrong. And see, if you despise what the prophets say, you can never get deliverance in your own life. Hosea 12, verse 13. Hosea 12, verse 13. Hosea 12, verse 13. Watch this here. By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet, he was preserved. So God's always going to use his prophets to bring you a word of deliverance. Oh, my God. Glory to God. Put this on the screen. Put Numbers 14, verse 6 through 10 on the screen. Numbers 14, verse 6 through 10. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach it anyhow. I'm going to preach it anyhow. And what people hate in the church are people who speak what thus saith the Lord what we can do, what God can do when their faith won't grab a hold of it. It says in verse 6, But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Remember they, they sent 12 spies? Who now they go see something, and they have the command to come back and speak what they see. They are prophets. So 12 prophets... Goes, they see something, but 10 of them prophesy something false. Two, the minority report prophesied what God said, what God could do, and what they could do with God. Now watch this. And they spoke to all the, children, all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Keep going, verse 8. Verse 8, keep going, come on. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with what? Yeah. Keep going. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor for the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Now watch what happened when the people got this word. The congregation said to stone them with stones. The congregation the church said, let's stone these prophets. This is what's happening in America. In fact, throughout the world, let's stone these prophets because we don't agree with what they said. Well, it doesn't matter because you can't stop God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, Let's close out here. 
Go back to 1 Kings 20. 1 Kings 20. Man, if I was preaching for popularity, man, I'd just, I'd just shut down. If I was preaching to get 100% agreement with, from all y'all, I'd just, just, I'd just have to quit. I'm not, preaching, I'm not preaching to get all y'all to like me. I got to preach what thus said the Lord. So you can now transpose this into getting your victory in your life. Because it's going to come through prophets, prophetic voices. Y'all got it? So what happened with them in verse, back in 1 Kings 20 and verse 14 was a prophet comes. Verse 13, rather, uh, up, suddenly a prophet comes and he speaks something to them. Notice what he says to, to Ahab. He says, behold, uh, have you seen this great multitude? Behold, I will, this is what God said, I will deliver it into your hand when? Today. <laughs> and you shall know that I'm the Lord. Because I'm going to do what I said today and you're going to know that I'm the Lord. Now remember Ahab was talking all big a minute ago? Now verse 14 all of a sudden, Ahab backtracks a little bit. Wait, 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 wait. I wasn't expecting God to not say something. Now we're going to actually have to do something. I was just talking big because, you know. So Ahab said, by whom? Give me, give me this in the Message Bible. Message, message Bible. See, look, look how it reads this way in the Message Bible. 1 Kings 20, verse 14, in the Message. Watch, watch, watch how he puts this. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We have a message still? Hallelujah. Bam. Nobody has it? <laughs> keep keep reading. Read it. Y'all, did y'all catch now what he's talking about? He said, really? And who's going to make this happen? Now, God just told him, I'm about to give you the victory. And his response, after talking all that yin-yang a minute ago, is, really? Oh, who's going to make this happen? In other words, he's really saying, who, me? Uh-huh. You remember Uxorius Ahab? He couldn't even stand up to his wife, let alone stand up to Ben-Hadad. So you know he was just talking a big game. Y'all seen, seen men in public, they talk big game in public, but get behind, you know, they just. Yo, you better, you better, you better. So I'm, I'm coming. Just, just sit down, I'm, I'm coming. Don't be, don't be rushing me, don't be rushing me. Get to the car. Oh, babe, I'm so sorry. I just, I just had to just explain him. <laughs> this, this is, this is him. He's talking big out in public, but here comes the word of the Lord to him, and now he's talking about really. Oh, who's gonna make this happen? Now go back to the to the New King James here. Now let's see this. Man, I don't have time to go into all this, but I, I'll, I'll get into it Wednesday. That's, that's probably better that we deal with this Wednesday. He said, by the young leaders 
of the provinces. And he said, who will set this battle in order? And he answered, you. So who's going to bring the victory for our nation, he says, the young leaders. Thus says the Lord. Now this means God is looking past Ahab, looking past those established people and saying, I'm going to use a generation to bring you victory. Man, I hope y'all can see this here. Because God has a plan for his people, including his youth, including the young leaders. Notice he didn't tell him that the young, the young people are going to stand and watch you do this, and maybe one day when they get older, I'll use them. No, he said, right now. Oh, my goodness. Let me show you a couple more things here. A couple more things. Let me move this real quick. Now, you remember verse 7 and 8 of the same chapter? The elders brought him some wisdom. Because elders, that's the older ones, represent wisdom and experience. But they weren't the ones that were going to lead him to victory. Proverbs 20, verse 29 and the Amplified Bible says this, the glory of young men is their strength and the beauty of old men is their gray head suggesting wisdom and experience. So notice you see a contrast of two different age groups or groups of people here. One is the young men. Notice it says their glory is what? Their strength, but the beauty of the old man is his gray head suggesting what? So notice that in verse 7 and 8, wisdom and experience came and talked to Ahab to tell him, stop listening. Don't consent. But he needed strength. Man, y'all will catch this by Tuesday. The, young, the older man could come and give him the advice. They could share wisdom. They could share experience. But he needed some young legs, some young hearts, some young bodies, some young some uh, men with some vitality to go out into the battle, which means that God has to use both ends. And one of the issues we have in our society is that there is a chasm between our older people and our younger people that the younger people don't want to listen to the older people and the older people don't want to deal with the younger people. And what happens is we're at a standstill because we need the wisdom of the older, but we need the strength of the younger. Can you see this? We have to work together. We're not meant to, to, to work apart from each other. It can't function that way. Because if you have young people with all their strength and all their zeal on their own, they'll have no direction. And they'll go wild. They'll wild out. Just wilding out everything. Do whatever they feel, whatever feels right, but they have no wisdom and no direction. But then if you have old people by themselves, they have the wisdom and all the experience and all the know-how, but not the strength to carry it out. 
Are y'all seeing this here? So in 1 Kings 4, 20 verse 14, he said, it's going to be the young leaders. Somebody shout the young leaders. In other words, they, these young leaders, they may be naive and they may be inexperienced, but they have strength and vitality. And God has to use somebody and work them together. Do y'all hear me? I want to do all the young people hear me in this place today. That God didn't design it for the youth to sit by and watch. He designed it for the youth to be active, taking a part, working now. So many, so many of our teenagers and young people are thinking, one, one day my life is going to start. I can't wait for my life to start. You don't realize, baby, your life has already started. Don't wait till you're 20 and 25 and 30 and 45 and 65. No, your life started already. At eight years old, Josiah was a king leading a whole nation at eight years old. David was 17 when he fought Goliath. You don't, what, what are you waiting on? So you're all used up? And that's one of the worst things that, that happens in the church is that people go out there because they don't know purpose and, and design and plan of God in their youth. Like Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And because they don't know that, they go out there in the world and the devil uses them all up. Then when they're 65, they come and get saved. And, uh, well, Lord, save me. If you can use me, Lord, use me. Okay. All right. Let me see. Y'all broke down, busted, disgusted, and got nothing left in the tank and been, been battered like hell all through your life and everything. Now I'm going to just come to Jesus and get it right. Now praise God you get it right. Praise God you get everything straight. Now praise God for that. But, what, but God had a plan from the time before you were born, before you were forming your mother's womb, he called you. Called you by name, gave you a purpose, Jeremiah, gave you an assignment, gave you a mission field, gave you a, 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 a plan for your life, Jeremiah. And he don't want you to wait and wait and wait and be entertained and then entangled in this world and get messed up and confused and used and abused. It's hard to come out of that when you're stuck and entangled in the world. That's why, parents, I need you to realize this morning that God is holding you and me responsible for our children. He didn't give us options. So then I can't give my children options. We're raising young leaders. So God means for them to lead while they're young. Lead while they're young. Lead while they're young. Lead while they're... See, the devil knows this. This is 
is why the, the, these movements I've talked about, BLM and Antifa, why they are, if you allow this, so successful. Because if they're using young leaders, young, energetic, vigorous, uh, don't give a doggone about nothing leaders. Fearless, courageous. Well, God will take that same don't give a doggone about nothing and courage and fearlessness and use it in his kingdom and make them to where they are changing the world. For too long in the church, we've pushed the children to the side. And not raise them in the house of God like Samuel. Do you know why Samuel heard God's voice, God's voice at a young age? It's because his mother vowed to God, if you give me this man child, I'm going to give this man child back to you. So after she had finished weaning him, after she had finished doing her part, she then took him and presented him to God and left him there to serve in the house of God. That's why as a child, Samuel heard God's voice and became the most prophetic man in his time. God's prophet to Israel. Because his mother dedicated him. Now we want people to just come, bless my little child. Just, come on, can we have a little child? Bless, bless, bless my little child. Go on. What? That's why in this church, if you're going to dedicate the child, we're going to dedicate the parent first. Who cares if you dedicate a child and the parent living like hell? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I need, I need the parent dedicated. Because if I get the parent dedicated, the child is going to grow up in me in my house. Thank you, Jesus. I know I got a lot. I got a lot. I'll pick it up Wednesday. I got a lot to go. God did not mean for the youth to be left aside. To we almost treat the, the youth like second class citizens. That when as we as parents get engaged in the things of God, we leave them out of that. That's not the way God designed it. Because he needs our children. You know something? Joseph, this is what I, I pray this with my children all the time. I mean, my natural children, every day. God, I pray that you give them an encounter with you that will change their lives. This is what I pray for them. Now, to the best of my understanding, from their own confession, all four of my children are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, walking with God. But, excuse me, but that ain't enough. 
just, just, it's nice, but it ain't enough for me. Because until I need, until I see fire on them, I need them to have fire. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to raise good kids. I need to see the fire on my children. Until they have in their mind, come hell or high water, I'm going to serve God. For God I live, for God I die, I'm not going to turn to the left hand or to the right hand serving other God. I, that's, I mean, until till it don't matter if, if, if their parents backslide, they ain't backsliding. And what I pray for them is that, God, I pray, God, give each of them a God dream. Give them a God dream, a God vision, like Joseph. Joseph, who was Jacob's son, Joseph, I'm talking about that Joseph, book of Genesis. Joseph, as a young boy, had a dream. And the Bible says he dreamed again. He had a dream of greatness that God was going to raise him up to be something. And that dream kept him. That dream carried him. He wasn't just a dream carrier. The dream carried him. I'm not talking about a dream of playing in the NFL and playing in the NBA and being a rap star. I'm talking about a God dream. Nothing wrong with NFL. Nothing wrong. I'm talking about a, in other words, a purpose dream. Because, see, you have a dream of playing in the NFL, uh, break your leg, and it's, you're done. Be depressed, drinking in the back alley somewhere. It's happened to millions of guys. But a God dream, you can break your ankle, your leg, your neck, and your back, and that God dream will still keep you. Joseph had a God dream that carried him. His brothers hated him, but the dream was still there. Sold him into slavery. You never saw about, read about him complaining and crying and woe is me. Became a slave in Egypt at Potiphar's house. He was in charge of all of Potiphar's things, all of Potiphar's money. The Bible says Potiphar didn't even know what he had. Potiphar didn't even know what he had. Joseph could have embezzled millions and millions from him. But the God dream wouldn't let him. Y'all miss what I'm saying? See, the dream will keep you out of crime. It'll keep you in integrity. It'll keep you walking right, living right. Even when Potiphar's wife, y'all remember Potiphar's wife, came and she saw, the Bible said, Joseph was a good-looking young man. And Potiphar's wife had her eyes on him every day and tried to entice him to do some every single day. But he's got a dream on the inside of him. And he would not allow himself to get into immorality, sexual immorality, which plagues our youth today. At a young age today. Wow. 
Pastor, when's the right age for my son to have a girlfriend? When's the right age for my, my daughter to have a boyfriend? When, when, they, when they're already on track for their dream. But if she's going to interfere with the dream, he's going to interfere with the dream. Oh, that's too strict, Pastor. They, everybody needs some friendship. Friendship with Jesus. Fellowship divine. Oh, what a sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Y'all Baptist folk. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. Oh, what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Digging for Lana, remember digging for Lana? Oh, y'all grew up Baptist, huh? You can find a friend so faithful. I saw it. All right, stop, stop, stop. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. All right, all right, all right, stop, stop. All right. I'm glad y'all know that. My point is nothing can be able to come between you and the dream. And when Joseph had opportunity after opportunity to be immoral, he didn't do it. That dream was too strong. And then that woman accused him falsely. He was thrown in prison. And here he is in prison and asked why everybody else was looking so sad. He's falsely accused and thrown in prison and asking why, why y'all look so sad. Because the dream is keeping him happy. The dream is keeping joy in his heart. See, that, that's what I pray every day. Lord, give my, give my children that, that dream, that God dream, that God vision. They're, they're good kids. Thank you, Lord, for giving me good children. But I want them to have more. I want them to have a dream. I want them to have a purpose. I want them to have an assignment. I want them to know their destiny. So you can use them now. Not the church of tomorrow. The church of today. You young leaders hear me? I say you young leaders hear me? Young leaders. Now I'll deal with this more on Wednesday night because I got to show you some more things here. But it's our assignment to raise up young leaders. What year is this, 2020? Just, just as a preview, put up 1 Kings 2020. 1 Kings 2020. See what it says. This is about the young leaders here. 1 Kings 2020. Woo. And each one killed his man. Uh, come on. 
each one. Kill this man. If you ever played def uh, defense on a football team, that's your number one agenda, right? Right deep is to kill your man. It's a crack back. It's going to be something. You're going to tell you if I'm all right about that. Each, each one. If everyone kills his man, everyone does his job. Now, these are the young leaders who led this charge. And you go back and read verse 19, the other people, they would follow the young leaders. Thank you, Lord. It's time for a generation to rise up and kill their man. Y'all got it? Give God a praise. That's all I have time for. I'm way over time. Way over time today. Good gracious. Lord, thank you today for the word. I thank you, Lord, for these, your people. I pray that each person on the sound of my voice uh, has heard and sees the opportunity that we have uh, to help raise a generation that will serve you with all their might, who will do your will in their generation. I thank you, Father, that we have the promise in your word. Some of us who are not as young as we used to be, Lord, you didn't leave us out. You said in your word in Psalm 103 that, Lord, you satisfy our mouth with the good things, so our youth is renewed as the eagles. So none of us are left out. You have a plan to use every single one of us in your kingdom to not let Satan use and abuse us for his agenda, but for us to be used by you, Lord, to advance your kingdom. Thank you, Father, uh, that each of these, I pray that our young people, Lord, will catch on fire with the fire of the Holy Ghost. I pray that every one of our youth would get a God dream and a God vision to know their God-given purpose, their God-given destiny, their God-given assignments. That, Father, that, Lord, it will keep them on a straight and narrow path that, God, that your purpose for them becomes more important than all of Satan's offers that he makes. And I pray, Father, that you'll shelter this generation, Lord, from every physical attack, stray bullets and drugs and alcohol and crime and perversion and every attack the devil would use to pull our youth out into utter destruction. That's his plan, to pull them into utter destruction. But God, we pray that you would keep them, each and every one, and that, God, you'd use them now. Thank you for the wisdom and experience that you've given to us as older ones, Lord. Thank you for the youth and vitality, Lord, the strength and vitality of our youth. Thank you that, Father, we work together to accomplish your will on the earth. Use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah.